The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Today's office is being studied. I know Nishmat Marat Zekenati, Yafa Batsara, Umur Zekeni, Yosef Ben Sara, Rabbi Abraham Ben Esther, Ruach Hashem Tenihem Began Eden, Amen. Today's office is being studied for Ashilema, Moshe Ben Dina, Vesara Ruhama Batrahel, Vesara Batrahel, Enna Referlehem, Enna Referlehem, Enna Referlehem, Fata Nefesh, Fata Guf, Ufo Atam Kerbala Bovichin Yenasum and Omar, Amen. Begin today's daf on Yud Bet Amud Bet. And we are 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 18, 18, 18, 19 lines up, starting with the words, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa Amar. Oto Hayom Esrim Ve'echad Benisan Hayu. The day that they threw Moshe Rabbeinu into the uh, yam, into the river, in the basket, when he went floating downstream, so the Gemara has a tradition that the date that that happened was the 21st of Nisan. Amru Malachia Sharet of Nekadosh Baruchu, the Bonoshel Olam, Mishati Domar Shira Alayam Bayom Zeh, Yilke Bayom Zeh. The one that uh, is destined to sing the song on the Yam on this day, the 21st of Nisan, is Shivirishel Pesach. That's the day the Jewish people cross Yam Suf and they sang the Az Yashir Moshe. The praises to God. So that day is when he got thrown into the Yamsuf. So the Malachim said, the day that he's going to sing praises to you is not befitting to be the day of his uh, demise. Rabbi Aha Bar Hanina Amar, Otoayom Shisha Besivan Haya. says that that day that they put him in the Yamsuf was actually the sixth of Sivan. Amru Malachia Sharet, Tafna Kadosh Baruchu, the Borosh Olam. Mishati the Kabel Torah Mehar Sinai Biyom Zeh Yilke Biyom Zeh The one that's going to be destined to receive the Torah Mehar Sinai in the 6th of Sivan Does it make sense you should get uh, punished on this day? So the Gebarah says Bishlama leman davar b'shisha b'sivan Mashkachat la gimel yarche Which means According to the opinion that says that this happened on the 6th of Sivan it makes sense that Moshe Rabbeinu was three months old because it says his mother hid him for three months old for three months and she couldn't hide him anymore so she put him in the water. So the says, "The Amar Mor be'adar be'adar nolad Moshe." We know that Moshe Rabbeinu both was born and both passed away on the seventh day of Adar. be'adar Right from the seventh of Adar to the sixth of uh, Sivan. Right, you have Adar to Nisan, Nisan to Iyar, Iyar to Sivan. That's three months. And according to the opinion, it says there was a 21st of Nisan, Hechi Mashkachatla, Hari after three months from Adar, you have seven Adar to seven Nisan, that's it, it's a month and uh, a few weeks. So how do you have the uh, three months? So the Gabbara answers, Ota Shana Taita. That year was a leap year, and therefore, Rubo Shil Rishon, Verubo Shil Acharon, which means you go from the first of uh, the first Adar, Adar one, right? Seven Adar until seven Adar. That's one month, correct? And then you have seven Adar until the seventh of Nisan. That's the uh, second month. And then you have part of Nisan. So actually, a part of the first Adar, part of the third month, which is Nisan, and the middle month is. Complete. So it wasn't actually three full months. It was uh, months that were uh, part part of Adar Rishon, so the full second month, and then the part of the Nisan. So when it says three months, it means that. Now the question then would be, uh, why did she uh, not wait uh, a full? 
three months. It seems these according to this it wasn't full three months. So the explanation is that you have to say she had a premonition that something's going to happen on the twenty first of Nisan. And therefore she wanted him to be in the water on the twenty first of Nisan that the Zikhut of you know, the Atid of the Shirat they're going to sing will stand for him. So that was something that the Yochevet or Miriam had, uh, had an understanding. They were prophetesses. So they knew that that was an auspicious day. So they put him in on that day itself. So now Miriam tells the daughter of Paro, Do you want me to get you a, uh, a wet nurse from the Jewish woman? What do you mean? Why does it have to be from the Jewish woman? They tried to feed him from the Egyptian wet nurses, but he would not take. Amar. The mouth that's destined to speak to the Shekhinah is going to draw milk from a, uh, from a source that is Tameh. It me yore de'a. So the Prasuk is Nidrash. Le mi yore de'a. Un mi yavishimwa. Who is going to be the one that has wisdom? And the one that's going to understand the Torah? Le gimule me halabu la'atike me shadayim. The one that uh, is going to, to remove himself. Ne'atak me shadayim. He's going to remove himself from the impure places. Which is Moshe Rabbeinu. He removed himself from the uh, wet nurses that were Tame'im, and therefore he was the worthy to one to be Yavin Shimwa, to understand the Torah, and also be Yoreh, to be the one that gives over the Torah itself. It's interesting that this halakha is brought down in the Ramah that says also that a child should not nurse from uh, a Goya, even though technically and halakhically the milk is. The milk is not considered really tameh. It's not considered kosher or not kosher. It is considered kosher, but still, he says it can bring a uh, you know a bad uh, teva into the child. And the source of the salacha is peish atid ledaber imashikina. The source is Moshe Rabbeinu. So I think uh, one time maybe it was Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. One of them said that uh, that's the source. We're not Moshe Rabbeinu. Which means uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had a different uh, madrigai. He was going to speak to the Shekhinah. Therefore he's bound by a higher uh, you know, standard that he can't drink from the halab of the Temea. But what about uh, us? So he says, every Jew is learning Torah. He says, uh, the mouth that's going to speak the words of Abayin Rabbah. So that's also uh, conversing uh, with the uh, Shekhinah. The Torah, when a person learns Torah, it's like Shekhinah is speaking uh, through his uh, garon. So therefore the mouth that's going to speak the Talmud, the words of Abayi and Abba, also has to be careful in what he ingests. So Bat Par'o tells uh, Miriam, Lechi, uh, go and uh, get a, uh, you know, get somebody. Amar bin Azar, Melamed, Shehalcha, Bizrizut, Ke'alma. So from here we learn uh, that she went uh, with great zirizut, like a young lad. That she says, she ka'alma, she kol kocha aleha, kemo hazak ve'emas, takif ve'alam. Now, where are they uh, learning that from? Because the full pasuk, if you look at it, is, vayom la'a bat paro, lechi, vatelech ha'alma. The alma went. Alma is like a young, a young one. That Miriam went with tremendous amount of zirizut, like a young one, to, in order to get the uh, to get the job done for all her strength, so the Gemara says another interpretation. What does the pasuk mean when it says Ha'alma? She hid her words, which means she didn't say that she's Miriam, that she's Moshe's sister, and that she's going to bring the mother. In the end, Yochevet came and nursed uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. So Vatelicha Alma. She kept it She kept it quiet. She did not reveal her identity, nor the identity of the mother that came to nurse. So when Yochevet came, she told Yochevet, Helechi, here is the child. Take this child and nurse him. Amar bihama, mitnabna, She was prophesizing again, Batya, 
and she didn't even know what she was prophesizing. Helechi, what does that stand for? Hashelechi, which means this belongs to you. And she didn't know what she was saying, but really, it's true. It was belonging to Yochevit because Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, her son. So by using that word, it's like, Harelich Shelach. This belongs to you. Va'ani etenet sechareh. She says, nurse the baby, and I'll pay you, you know, whatever the fee is. Amar of Hamabar Bihanina. Lodayan the tzaddikim shemachazirin lehem avedatan. Erashinotim lehem sechareh. Not only did the tzaddikim, they get back their lost object, but God pays them for it. Which means this is something that um, Yochivet would have had to done anyway. She would have to nurse the child. But Borei Olam orchestrates it in a way that they do it and they get paid for it as well. That they get their reward. V'tikah Miriam HaNibiyah Achot Aharon. So it says, the uh, Pasuk, when uh, the Jewish people left Misraim. So Miriam led the chorus of the ladies when they were praising Borei Olam. So it says, V'tikat Miriam HaNeviyah Achot Aharon. So she's referred to the sister of Aharon. So the Gibra asks, Achot Aharon Velo Achot Moshe? Well, she was only the sister of Aharon and not the sister of Moshe. Amar of Abraham, Amar Rav. Amri La, Amar of Nachman, Amar Rav. Medamed, Shaita Mitnabea Kishi Achot Aharon. She already was prophesizing before Moshe Rabbeinu was born. When she was just the sister of Aaron, they omitted it. And what did she prophesize? Atida imi sheteled ben shemoshia at Israel. She already prophesized it's going to be come a day of the where my mother is going to bore a child that's going to be the redeemer of Israel. Vechevan shenolad Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu was born. Nitmale kol abayit kula or. So the entire house was filled with light. Hamad Abiya Unshaka al Rosha. So Amram went and kissed her on a forehead. Amar Labiti Nitkayemanivu Atik, your prophecy has been fulfilled. Bihivan Shitiluhu Layor. Once three months later, right, they had to take Moshe and put him in the Yeor. Hamad Abiya Vitafal Rosha. So Amram went and hit her on a forehead, so to speak. Where's your prophecy? You told me he's going to be the Moshe Anchi Israel. Where's the prophecy? And now you're throwing him into the in the water. That her sister, his sister, stood from far on the banks of the water in order to see what's going to happen to him. So the Gemara's Doresh Lida she wanted to know how the prophecy is going to come true she, she had no doubt that something's going to be saved over here she knew it, she had a prophecy so she wanted to see the hashkaha she wanted to see the hand of God how it's going to come out that Moshinabin was going to be saved and indeed that's what happened Batya picked up the basket and uh, we know the end of the story comes the Gemara and continues we learned in the Mishnah Yosef had the zechut in the sense that he buried Moshe uh, uh, Moshe buried Yosef Moshe was the uh, great one and he took the bones of Yosef out of Egypt so the Gemara says Midah connected Midah Moshe was the greatest one of his time and he buried Yosef so that when Moshe died so Akadot Baruch Hu, uh, buried Moshe so the Gemara says May Shena Me'ikara Dikhtiv it says when uh, the uh, brothers of Yosef and Yosef went to bury their father. They went to bury Yaakov Abinu. So it says, now did the brothers go to bury Yaakov Abinu, but they went with Avde Paro. They went with the servants of Paro. They also escorted them. So there's a discrepancy over here in the Pesukim. Why? <laughs> One Pesuk says like this, Dikhtiv, Vayaral Yosef likbor et Abiv. Right? Yosef went up to bury his father. Vayaralu ito kol Avde Paro. And all the servants of Pharaoh went with him. Ve'adar, and then it says, Ve'chol bet Yosef ve'achiv u'bet Abib. And then the rest of the family. Right? The family of Yosef and his father's family. U'mayshin al But on the way back, what does it say? Dikhti v'yashiv, v'yashiv Yosef m'slaima. Yosef went back to Egypt. Hu ve'echav. Ve'adar ve'chol ha'olim ito v'gboret Abib. She's then it puts all the slaves and all the servants of Paro last. Going down, they were first. 
coming back, the Avdit Paro were less. So going on, so why did they change their position? Why did the Abdir Paro, they were in the front on the way down? On the way back, they were at the end. That's the Gemara's question. The Gemara says, Amar Abu Hanan, Betahila, Ad Shelora Ubichbodan Shel Yisrael, Lo Nagu Behem Kavod. Until then, they didn't see the Kavod. What does it mean, the Kavod of Yaakov Abinu? So therefore, they didn't give, um, they didn't give Kavod. Therefore, they went in front of them with disrespect. But then when they saw the kavod, the kavod of Klai Yisrael at the funeral of Yaakov Avinu, they saw that, they said we have to give them respect, therefore they went at the end. And what did they see? One of the places that they went to eulogize Yaakov Avinu was a place called Gorin Ha'atad. Now literally means the pile of thorns. Atad is like a thorn, a thistle. So the Gemara says, "Vehi gorin yeshlo the atad." Do they make piles of thorns? It's not an item that you usually uh, make into uh, piles. Amar avabu melamed shekifu ketarim la adrono shel Yaakov. They covered the coffin of Yaakov Abinu with crowns, with ketarim, crowns of kings. Kegorin ze shemakifim lo atad. Like they protect a, a gorin, like you have a pile of wheat that you're protected with a fence of thorns in order to protect the um, the gorin itself. Well, where do they get these crowns from? Which means uh, all the families of Isav and Ishmael and Bnei Keturah, uh, those were the cousins of Bnei Israel, so they came to the funeral as well. Initially, they came for war to make a confrontation. But what did Yosef do? Yosef took off his crown and he put it on the Aaron of Yaakov Abinu. So when they saw the crown of Yosef was on the coffin, they all took their crowns off because each one was considered a chieftain, right, in a certain area. They took off their crowns. So now the crown of Aaron was filled with. Crowns, how many? Tana. Shiloshim Vishisha Kitarim Nitlu Baronoshil Yaakov. Thirty six crowns were placed on the Aron of Yosef. Yaakov. Now how did he get the calculation thirty six? So that she gives you the calculation. Shiloshim Vishisha Kitarim is the fourth line. Yud bit Nisiim di Ishmael. Ishmael had twelve Nisiim. Vikhat Gimal Alufim Nubi Aisav and all the Alufs, all the chieftains. Of Isav, that was 23. So 23 plus 12 is 35. Plus the Aaron of Yosef, that was already 36. Now that she just goes through the calculation, that she's Vim Tomar, Chaf Hehin. But if you count the chieftains of Isav, there's actually 25 names. So that she says, Teman Uknaz Nimnu Bet Pa'amim. Alright, so on the count, you just said you only count Teman and Knaz once, even though they were written twice. Vim Tomar Korah Nimne Bet Pa'amim, but there was Aluf Korah. He was also written twice. So he says, Shnek Korahim. There were actually two chieftains with the name Korah. Echad Nimne Elifaz, Vechad Nimne Aulibama. Umikoma Kom Lamid Ehen, Vekitrushil Yosef, Arehen Lamid Vav. So it was such a, such a scene where you see all the, the uh, kings. They said it's worthy that, uh, you know, they put the crown on uh, the coffin as of respect. So when the Egyptians saw that, the kavod melachim that Yaakov Abinu and the family received, so on the way back, they gave them the proper kavod and let them uh, lead the way. So over there, they eulogized Yaakov Abinu, a very great and heavy eulogy. Tana. Afilu susim ve'afilu hamorim, which means even the horses and even the donkeys were crying. Which means it was felt even by the animals the loss of Yaakov Abinu. Kevan shegi'u lema'arat ha'mechpela. Now they got to Hebron. Ata Esav kamakev. Who was waiting for them at the ma'ara? Esav arasha, and he wanted to delay the ceremony. Amar lahein. Another name for Hebron was Kiryat Arba. Right? The city of the four. For what? There were four couples that were buried in Hebron. 
אדם וחווה, אברהם ושרה, יצחק ורבקה, יעקב ולאה. איהו קברה ללאה בדידה. תזוסן, יעקב אבינו, he already used his slot in the מערת המכפלה, he buried לאה. והדפאיש דידיהו. So the extra, the, the last slot, right, that's left, Esav was claiming, that's his. So they told Esav, Zabinta. So what are you talking? Yaakov bought it from you. Which means that, it seems there was two spots in the Narat al-Makhbila. One belonged to Esav, one belonged to Yaakov. So Esav was saying, listen, you used your spot, he used the spot already. He buried his wife there. And then the spot that's remaining is mine. So the brothers told Esav, their uncle, they said, no, listen, we know for a fact that uh, he bought it from you. Right, he bought, the, he bought the plot from you. So he says, no, it's not so. Yeah, I agree that I sold him my firstborn. That was with the soup, right? He sold him the firstborn. Did I sell the land? I didn't sell my plot. So therefore he was claiming, there was no, no such thing. I said, yes, sir. At the end of Yaakov Abinu's life, he says... Bikivri with the coffin Asher Karitini. Now the word Kariti means that I bought. So he told us Bifirush that he bought the coffin from uh, from you. He bought not the coffin, he bought the plot from uh, from Esav. Bikivri, right in the he told us children, bury me in the plot Asher Kariti that I bought. The Gemara says, What does the word Kariti mean? The Abad of Yohanan Mishum Bishim on Ben Yotzadak and Kira Ela Lashon Mechira. Which means the word Kira is like mechira, right? Machad, that he sold. Sheken bekarkayam, and the islands, korin le mechira kira. So that we were saying, asher kariti, that I, uh, I bought. Right? That I bought from, uh, from Esav. Or that he sold me. Amar lehu havilu igavuli igarta. So Esav says, fine, give me the, uh, the deed. Show me the receipt. That's so, well, the, the deed is in Egypt. So who's going to go back to Egypt now and get the deed? Naftali. So we'll send Naftali back the Kalil. He's very light on his feet. like a gazelle. Naftali Naftali is swift like a gazelle that gives Imre Shafir good words. Amar Babu Atikli Imre Shafir Ela Imre Sefer. And he's the one that was destined to give Imre Sefer the words of the document. And he was the one that was sent back to get the uh, the paper. Hushim Bere Dedan Taman Haba. Hushim, the son of Dan, was there as well. That means he was a grandson of Yaakov Abinu. Le Udne. And he was hard of hearing, which means he was deaf. Amar lehu, so he communicates to them and says, "My hai, you know, he saw action. He saw Esav waving his hands. He saw them pointing. He saw, uh, you know, uh, uh, Naftali putting on his sneakers. He saw things taking place over here." The Amru so he says, they tell him, "Kamakev hai, they're waiting." Until Naftali comes back from the Mislaim with the paper, where you know delaying the uh, funeral. Well, we're going to wait now until Naftali comes back to, from Mislaim, and my grandfather is going to lie over here. The Bizayon, Shakal Kulfa. So he took a, a club. And he banged it on the head of Esav, and his eyeballs came out. And his eyeballs, or some say his actual head, landed on the leg of Yaakov that was lying right there. At that point, Yaakov opened his eyes and started to laugh. That Sadiq will laugh because he saw revenge. He saw Isaac died. He was happy. So he smiled. She's the legs of the Sadiq will be washed with the blood of the Rasha. That's exactly what happened. Because his head fell by the legs of 
יעקב אבינו, באותה שעה נתקיימה נבואתה של רבקה. At that point, the prophecy of Rivka came true. Dichtiv, lama eshkal gam shenechem yom echad. Right, she said when she told Yaakov Aminu to run away, why should I lose both of you on the same day? Now, she lost both of them on the same day. Well, not exactly. Well, even though the death was not on the same day, but kevuratan miha biyom echad havai. But the burial was indeed on the same day. Now on this uh, episode over here, there is two uh, Musarim that the Mefarshim, the Ba'alim Musar, point out. Musar number one is that you see uh, that Hushim ben Dan saved the day. And the Mefarshim, Nafchaim Shmuelavitz over here, says that what was so special that Hushim ben Dan saw what the brothers did not see. Meaning, Chaurai said, Sevara Peshuta, Abi Abba Mutal Bezayon. We're going to wait now and delay a funeral until we get the, the deed over here. How come he was able to perceive this where the other brothers uh, might not have seen this? So he says it was to the uh, benefit of Hoshim in this case that he was deaf. Why? Because it's the nature of a person to acclimate to the situation. A person gets used to the situation that he's in, and that becomes, uh, he accepts it. Uh, just like we saw the people that were in uh, the Holocaust, even that after a certain time, as miserable as the conditions were, they uh, relegated to the situation. The person becomes uh, used to his, uh, his situation. So what happened? As they started to talk with Asav, so the conversation, he said this, and they answered him back, and so on and so forth. And then already they got drawn into the uh, argument. Hoshim ben Dan, however, he was pure. He wasn't involved in the argument. He didn't hear anything. He just saw action over here. So he looked at it in a pure way. He wasn't tainted by the situation and the give and take of the argument. And therefore he was still fresh. He said, what are you talking about? He just saw the bottom line. I see a coffin over here. I see a delay. What's going on over here? Where the brothers already were involved in the argument. Well, he said this, and he said that. He said, he said, well, there's nothing to talk about over here. Another point you see over here is that really the one that saved the day comes out was something that we might call in the modern uh, day a special child. Uh, Hoshim ben Dan was handicapped. He was deaf. Uh, so you see over here a great nechama, uh, a consolation, that you see sometimes... The, the greatest tikkun will come from where? From the special child. Who would believe at that day that Fushim bin Dan, you know, the weakest of them all, I mean, maybe not the weakest, but the one with the impairment is going to be the one that's going to even be wiser in this case than Yehuda and Reuven and all the, all the Shivatim, Shivteyah. So you see over here, that was his uh, tikkun. He had, a, he had a purpose as well. And every uh, special child has a purpose and a tikkun. In and it could be the greatest uh, of purposes. And you see, Hoshim Benan is a classic example of that. To teach you that he had a purpose as well. Till that point, what was his him? He was just probably sitting at the table of Yaakov Abinu. Can't hear anything. Can't hear all the Torah. Can't hear too much of that. But uh, he had his place already. And his time came at this uh, episode as well. Continues. Wait, the Mishnah said Yosef that buried Yaakov. Right? So he gets the credit that what? That Moshe buried him. Now, does that mean that what? If Yosef wouldn't have buried the father, the brothers would not have taken care of it? We see the brothers, when their time came, they took Yaakov uh, Abinu to Eres Kenan. Right? They took him uh, to the land. So therefore, the brothers did uh, involve themselves. So what does it mean over here that uh, Yosef did it? Look at the Rashi. Rashi Dibura Matheel Ve'ilo E'asag Be Yosef that's really the point how did the brothers let Yosef take care of the thing himself of bearing the father 
Why do you think they threw the yoke of burying their father off them? They didn't care. If Yosef wouldn't have done it, they wouldn't have uh, rose to the occasion. They were there. They, 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 they helped carry the body. Right? So, and the Maskanad says, But the Pasuk says, He gives the credit to who? Yosef. So the Gemara wants to know, what was, what was the brother's uh, angle over here? So the Gemara says, Let Yosef take care of it. Why? Our father deserves to be buried by kings more than simple people. And therefore, they weren't, it was not of laziness, Hasma Shalom. They gave the kavod to Yosef because they felt it was the more kavod to their father, to being Yosef was a king, his, his, my, our father deserves to be taken care of by a king, not by hidyotot. Uh, there some hidyotot that they were, but legabe uh, Yosef, I guess they weren't a king, and therefore it was kavod to their father that they let Yosef run the... Uh, proceedings. Gemara continues from a quote from the Mishnah. Mi lanu gadol mi Yosef. Tanu lebanan bo ure kama habivot mitzvot al Moshe Rabbeinu. Look how much Moshe Rabbeinu endeared and loved the mitzvot. Shekol Yisrael kulan itasiku bebiza. All the Jewish people, when they came out of Mitzrayim, they were involved in collecting the spoils of the Egyptians. Ve'un itasik. The mitzvot sheneemar hacham lev yikah mitzvot. Which mitzvot was that? He was involved in taking the aron of Yosef. Mm-hmm. So, so question is being asked over here. It was also mitzvah to take bizat tayam. So when it says over here that he was netasig mitzvot, we're not talking about in the quantity of a mitzvah. But we're discussing the qualitative mitzvah. Uh, this mitzvah of taking the money, it's a temporary mitzvah. You take the money and, uh, you know, it's more of a physical, materialistic. But this is a chesed shil emet. This is a higher level uh, mitzvah. This is taking, burying a dead. That's a much higher level. So the greatness, that's why it calls him hacham lev. The hacham is able to discern between the mitzvot themselves. Which mitzvah has greater, you know, a reward or greater chesed behind it over there? So you're right. The, the, the Jewish people were also bothered themselves. Make sure you take the uh, the money. Elam Moshe's greatness was he was able to weigh. You know, at the time that even though it was a sacrifice, which is he came out of Mitzrayim and didn't have any money with him, he only became wealthy later on at the time of uh, Matan Torah. But he was willing to give up all the money and the riches in order to take care of the. Now the question is, How did you know where Yosef was buried? That was the granddaughter of Yaakov Abinu, the daughter of Asher. She was already the only survivor of that uh, generation. So Halach Moshe Itzlas. So Moshe Rabbeinu went to Sarah Bat Asher. Amar la klum at yodarat hechan Yosef kavur. Have you any idea where Yosef is buried? She was around. Amra lo Aaron shel matechet asulo misvayim vekabuhu benilos hanahar kedeshi idbarichu mimav. They put him in a metal coffin, a casket, and they buried him in the in the bottom of the Nile, and then there should be a beracha, because the Egypt gets their uh, rain not from the uh, rain. What happens every year that the Nile overflows and you know, over the land. So they wanted to be in the Nile, which always overflow. So they put his coffin like a good luck charm. So they buried it at the bottom of the of the Nile. So that's what the uh, that she says. Right? They don't get their rain water. It's all like the inlets. And little uh, rivers and things like that. Minilos and sofa Medina come up persaot. It's very wide from where the Nilos is to the end of this country. It's very a lot of persaot. The Nilos ole it rises umeshke umidbarich umemelakolim. So it fills up all the different inlets and all different rivers that are connected to it. Meshkin name a sadot. Right? They give the uh, the sadot to. Okay. In any event, so the Gemara says, Halach Moshe va'amad al sfat Nilos. So Moshe Rabbeinu went and stood on the. The banks of the Nile. 
אמר לו יוסף יוסף הגיע העת שנשמע הקדוש ברוך הוא שאני גואל אתכם the time has come for me to come and redeem the people והגיע השבועה שהשברת את ישראל and the time has come also that we can make good on the swear that you made us swear that will take you out with us אם אתה מראה עצמך מוטב if you'll show yourself fine אם לאו, הרי אנו מנוקים משבועתך. But if not, we're off the hook. We're not obligated to, do the, uh, to keep our word. מיד צף ארונו של יוסף. All of a sudden the metal casket came and floated to the top of the Nile. ואל תטמא, and don't be shocked, האך ברזל צף. How is uh, ברזל able to uh, float? It means that's a, uh, obviously a miracle. So he said it happened much later on. Why? When did it happen? Times of Elisha, the prophet. This was one of the students of Elisha was uh, using a, an axe, right? And it, um, <coughs> and it fell into the water, the, the axe head. The metal pot fell into the water, right? Into the Yardin. And it says, he started to scream out, Aha, Adoni, Vehu Sha'ul. He said it was borrowed. Now the drowning in the Yarden, what am I going to do? Vayom and Isha Elohim, so what does Elisha say? Don't worry. Anna nafal. Where did it fall? Vayir'eu at tamakom. So he showed him the place. Vayiksav etz. So Elisha cut a piece of wood. Vayashlech sha'amai, threw it into the water. Vayatsef abarzel. And all of a sudden the metal axe head floated to the top. So the point is, if Elisha was able to do it, right, he's much later on, so of course she can, Moshe Rabbein be able to do it. The Gemara speaks that down. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Uma Elisha, Talmido shil Eliyahu, He's a student of Eliyahu, and Abi, Eliyahu, Talmido shil Moshe, Not directly, of course, but he got the tradition, obviously, the same sources from Eliyahu and Abi. Tzaf barzeh mepanav, Mepenem Moshe Rabbeinu, Alachat kama vekama. Right, if Elisha can make such a miracle, it's nothing difficult for Moshe Rabbeinu to do such a thing. Rabbi Natan Omer, Rabbi Natan had a different understanding. He says, Bekabranit shil melachim aya kavur. Kabranit is like a uh, 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 catacomb, maybe, of uh, Melachim. Which means he was buried like in a place where all the kings, the Egyptian kings were buried, a special place. So the same story. Moshe al Kavranit shil melachim. So he went to that place over there. He didn't know where Yosef was, but... Amar Yosef, The time has come that I came to redeem the Jewish people. Now's the time also to make good on the promise that we made to you. You want to show yourself? That's fine. Otherwise, we're off the hook. So all of a sudden, Aaron of Yosef started to shake. So he knew that was the one. Natalo Moshe veviyo etzlo. So comes the Gemara and says, "Vechol otan shanim shoyu sibem midbar." When the Jewish people traveled in the midbar, hayu shene Aaronot halalu echad shel met veechad shel shechina malchin ze im ze. Which means when they traveled in the midbar, the Aaron of Yosef and the shechina, the Aaron of the shechina, which means the Aaron. The Mishkan itself, they were traveling side by side. So the wayfarers that passed by, that saw the Jewish people in the Midbar, they see these two Aronot, by traveling side by side. So they said, What's the, uh, what's the nature of these two Aronot? Amru Echad Shilmet, Echad Shil Shekhinah. So one is uh, the dead man. And one is the Machane, one is the Aron of the Shekhinah. Bechi madar koshin met alekim Shekhinah? Is that the normal way that you put a coffin next to the Aron of the Shekhinah? Amru, so they said, Kiyem ze kol ma shekatuv bazeh. They told him, This man fulfilled everything that's written in this. Look at the top Rashi, which means he kept the whole Torah. So he is befitting to be put next to the Shekhinah. Agada zu mefuresh be mechalta. בפרשת ויהי בשלח כתיב 
It says when the Jewish people came out of Mislayim, it says that uh, the Asib de Berot they got, and it starts off with Anuchi. Uchtiv Bazeh, what did Yosef say? Hatahat Elohim Anuchi. So you see, Anuchi by Asib de Berot, and Yosef used the word Anuchi, so that symbolized that he kept the Asib de Berot of Anuchi. Ketiv Bazeh lo yeyelecha. Now, Sir Debirut, it says, right, the second commandment, Lo Yelcha Elohim Ha'edim. Uchtib Bazem, what did Yosef say? Ha'edohim Ani Yareh. Lo Yelcha Elohim Ha'edim. Yosef said the word Elohim. So you see, he kept the second commandment. Lo Tissa. Don't swear falsely. Hepar'o. Yosef said, I swear on the life of Par'o. So you see, he kept that Shemuad as well. Zakor Tom Shabbat. Utbawah Tebar Vachin. So Yosef prepared food for the brothers. So he prepared it for them, not himself, but it says he prepared them for Shabbat. You see, he kept the Shabbat as well. He prepared. There's preparation. Yosef kept on to He didn't take revenge. He didn't hate the brothers. He didn't hold. He didn't have resentment. So on and so forth. So you see, it was befitting for Yosef Aaron to travel with the Aaron of the Shekhinah, Aaron of Berit. Comes the and says, The Ilo Iasik Be Moshe Yisrael Now again, you're telling me that what Moshe Rabbeinu did it. Does that mean to say that if Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't going to do it, Am Yisrael would not have taken the coffin of Yosef? We see the Jewish people were concerned about it. How do you know? The et atzmot Yosef asher elu bnei Yisem mislayim kavru b'shem. Who took the coffin into Eretz Yisrael? It wasn't Moshe. It was the Jewish people, and they took him into bury him in the place of Shechem. The two ilo yisku bnei Yisem. The Jewish people would not have taken the responsibility. Banav lo abu maaskebe. What about the children of Yosef? What, they wouldn't have taken care of it? Ba'ketiv, ba'yiyu l'bnei Yosef l'nachala. Which means it seems that they also uh, took care of it. Uh, which means they wanted him to be buried in their nachala. Shechem is the nachala of Yosef. They wanted the Yosef to be buried. That means they were, it was endearing to them. So they had a feeling. So then why then did B'nai Yisrael allow Moshe to do it alone? And then the children of Yosef allow B'nai Israel to do it. How come uh, they uh, gave it up? So the Gibran says, Amru, when the Jewish people were coming out of Egypt, they said the following, Hani leave him alone, Kevodo b'mirubim yoter b'me'erotim. That was when they went in Israel. When they buried him in Israel, the children of Yosef said, leave it. His kavod is to be buried by the masses than by the uh, smaller population. Which means it's a more kavod, if it be a bigger, bigger funeral of some sort. Which means, he, who buried uh, Yosef? In Eris Israel, B'nai Israel. So the brothers would have, the, the children would have done it themselves. But they said, I need leave it. Let them, let them do it because more kavod for Yosef. And that's what happened when they came out of Mislayim. The two Amru, Hani Hudo, Kevodo Begidolim Yotel Mekatanim. When they came out of Messiah, they said, Yosef is a Moshe is a Gadol. The Kavod of Yosef is better that it should be buried by Gedolim instead of Sulevo uh, Benayis. It wasn't out of laziness, so to speak. They felt it was more Kavod for the coffin, for Yosef, for Yosef that is. Right? Kavro Bishchem. Now they buried him in where Shechem? Where they get Shechem from exactly? What's so special about Shechem? Amar of Hamab and Bihanina. That's where they sold them from. When the brothers went down, right, they were shepherding, and Yosef met them in Shechem. So they sold them from Shechem. She said, you know what, we've got to return him. That's where we stole them from, so we've got to return him from the same spot that we took him from. Now, how do we know that, that was from uh, Shechem, actually? So there's an interesting Rashi over here. Look at Rashi, Mishchem Ganvu. Okay, the brothers came to Shechem. Now, uh, the Pasuk, however, says that they were in another place called Dotan. So how do we square that off? Was it Shechem or was it Dotan? So the she says, 
There's no place, Dotan. When the angel told Yosef when he lost his way, so Smashwa they went Dotan. That you're asking for your brothers, they have left the brotherhood that you're seeking. They don't hold you as a brother. When he said Dotaina, meaning they're looking for rules and laws to judge you. So that was not a place. He says they were they they're already holding in, in, in judgment. So that's what he was trying there with that. So they were in Shechem. The word Dotan is more of an attitude that they were involved in than a place. Comes again one says, Kashu Kirae Ahadade. We have a contradiction in Pisukim. Ketiv vayikach Moshe et atzmot Yosef emo. Right, says he took the bones of Yosef with him. Uchtiv et atzmot Yosef asher yainu bnei Yisrael. Says the bones of Yosef that the Jewish people took out. Make up your mind who took them out. Did Moshe Rabbeinu take it out of the Jewish people? Amar of Hamaber bichanina kol aoseh davar velo gamro uba acher vegamro. If a person started a mitzvah and he didn't complete it and somebody comes along and completes the mitzvah the mitzvah is called on the one that completed it and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu he started the mitzvah he took him out of Egypt but he didn't bury him who took them into Eris Yisrael? Bnei Yisrael so the credit is given that Bnei Yisrael took Yosef out of Mitzrayim that's the beginning of the mitzvah. But they get the name of it because they completed it. Now in this case over here, there's no claim against Moshe. Moshe was impossible for him to complete the mitzvah because he wasn't in the Eretz Yisrael. So he did as much as he was able to. However, the Gemara says that it's a big uh, claim on a person who starts a mitzvah and doesn't finish it. So the Gemara says, the Bir Azar Omer, Af Muridin that a person that starts a mitzvah doesn't finish it, they lower him from his stature. After the sale of Yosef, the brothers lowered Yehuda from his stature. Why? Because Yehuda started the mitzvah to say, let's, uh, let's save him. Let's not kill him. But he didn't go all the way. He didn't bring uh, Yehuda, Yosef back. Right? They opted to sell him. So he didn't finish the mitzvah, so therefore there was claims against him by the brothers, and therefore they lowered him from his stature. Right? person doesn't finish the mitzvah, it can be deadly. He buries his wife and children. So the Gibbara is connecting that Yehuda did not finish the mitzvah to already uh, affecting uh, his wife and children. Uh, we'll continue for a moment and we'll see. Amar of Yehuda, Amar of Mepneman Nikrai Yosef Atzmot Atzamot Behayav. Right? Yosef, in his lifetime, was referred to as bones. Because he himself says, Ba'alitem et atzmotai, mizeh et techem. So that, it seems, is a derogatory uh, terminology. The Torah refers to it. So he says, why would the, did Yosef have a reference in his lifetime? He was alive. But he referred to as bones. Because he did not rebuke the brothers... Uh, when they referred to uh, their father, they kept on referring to Yaakov as Yosef's servant. He should have rebuked. He did not say anything to them. So the Gebra says, 
Why was Yosef the first of the Shivatim to die? He passed away at 110 years old. He got smothered because he had a position of Rabbanut. Rabbanut is like a power. And the, the Mefarshim say that a person in a powerful position either has Ainara on him or has uh, the pressure of the job and things like that, it takes its toll, and therefore that affected Yosef as well, that he died uh, more than the brothers. Now on this subject over here, just a um, few issues of his, Mefarshim Makshim, we have a rule, it says, mitzvah, <laughs> A person intended to do a mitzvah, and he wasn't able to do it, so he gets credit as if uh, he did it. So therefore, you know, why should you give the credit to B'nai Yisrael? Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to do the mitzvah, like I said, he was anus. He couldn't finish it because God didn't let him into Eretz Yisrael, so why should the B'nai Yisrael get the uh, credit in this case over here? So yes, mefarshim she'achem b'mkom ones a mitzvah kulan nikrat al shem ha-matchil. In this case, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's mitzvah, because he was an ones. Ve'gam al shem gura, so both get credit. You give credit to Moshe, because he had no choice, and the B'nai Yisrael get credit because they uh, finished it. That's why it says uh, uh, both uh, in that case. But, Somebody was lazy, then the credit is only going to go to the one that completed it and not the one that uh, uh, started it. Now, uh, he says over here, from the Maral or from the Mefarshimir, on Shim Eluhim Mida Keneged Mida, Hamatril be Mitzvah Umaniyah Otam Dato, right? Person starts the Mitzvah, then he abandons it. It's not important then. So therefore your importance in the eyes of others will also go down. That's why he lost the statue of Yehuda. Right? You didn't show credence to the mitzvah, so the people are not going to show credence to you. You're also going to go lower than you did not complete the mitzvah, so your completion is going to be compromised. Who's the completion of a person? His wife. Because that's considered the uh, neshama achat, considered one, uh, one part over there. Gemara continues, V'yosef hurad misraima, and it says in the Pasuk that Yosef went down to Misraim. The Pasuk should have said, V'yosef yarad. So it says, Amar ibn Azar, Artikle hurad ela horid. Which is when Yosef went down to Egypt, he was the cause of a lot of demotions. He demoted, because of his interpretations of the dreams, he caused the uh, astro- astrologers, astronomers of uh, Paro to be demoted, because he said that uh, they didn't know as, as much uh, wisdom as Yosef. So therefore, the Yosef, he caused others to uh, go down and be demoted. So when he got down there, he was bought as a servant to Potiphar, Siris Paro. says that he bought he Yosef for his personal use, meaning for Mishkav Zakhur. Uh, that's what the uh, intention was. So came the Malak Gabriel, and he, uh, he castrated him. Right, Potifar. Initially, he's called Potifar. Potifera. Potifera became Parua. He was actually uh, uh, became a um, Parua by the Manach. So when Moshe Rabbeinu prayed the 515 Tefilot, so after he finished, Borei tells him enough. Moshe Rabbeinu used the word Rav, so they used the word on him also. Which means when Moshe Rabbeinu uh, had the issue with Korah, so Korah wanted to be Tekehuna. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu told Korah and his people, Rav Lachim, which means be happy that you are a Levi. Now, although Moshe Rabbeinu was right in the argument, but the Midat Adin judged him harshly on his usage of the terminologies. Uh, he shouldn't have said, Rav Lachem, meaning you have enough. It seems that you can never have enough. You should always want to strive and have more spirituality. You could have told him you're wrong, maybe your time hasn't come yet, but the language, Rav Lachem, was inappropriate. And therefore the Midat Adin judged him. So when he wanted to pray to go into Eretz Israel. Now the question is, why did he want to go into Israel? Again, more spirituality, more mitzvot. So therefore, 
Borei Olam says, Rav Lach, same terminology. Not that he got punished because of what he did to Korah. He wasn't going into Eretz Yisrael because he wasn't going in. But the language that Borei Olam used was similar to rebuke him, uh, that you said Rav Lachim, so they told him, Rav Lach comes again and continues, another interpretation, Rav Lecha, Rav Lach, Rav Yeshlecha, Umanu Yoshua. Already you have a rabbi. There's a new rabbi in charge now. And who was that? That is a Yoshua uh, Benun, your successor. Now she says, Higiyah Malchuto Shel Yoshua, Ve'en Lecha Malchut Nogat Bahavirta. Rav Lach, there's a new rabbi uh, in control. Yoshua, we have a rule that uh, two kingdoms cannot uh, overlap each other. Davar Acher, Rav Lach. Shelo Yumru Harav Kama Kasheh Talmid Kama Sarban. That uh, they shouldn't say that look how tough the Rav is and how stubborn the student is. That she says, Davar Acher, Rav Lach, Dai Lecha. Enough. Don't continue to supplicate. Look how strict the Olam is to the student. And look at the student, how stubborn he is. gives just different examples of the word Sarbanim. And therefore, he says, Rav Lach. Rav would be Rav and Lach would be, I guess, the Talmid. Rav the Talmud, like, you know, which means don't, uh, don't uh, cause people to talk about the Rav and the Talmud. Why did this happen to Moshe? Why is God so strict on Moshe Rabbeinu to use the same terminology that he used against uh, Korah? Because we have a rule. According to the camel, that's how much weight they put on him. So too, the greater the tzaddik, the more meticulous they are in judging. Even on uh, things that might not be sins for other people, but for the tzaddikim that are judged with a fine-tooth comb, so uh, it affects them. They are judged. Vayomer alehem. Moshe Rabbeinu says at the end of his life, Ben Me'ah be'eslim shana anuchi hayom. Right, he says, today, I am 120 years old. She'enta mudomar hayom. What does that tell me hayom? Right, what is that uh, reason? So give us hayom mal'u yamai ushnotai. Today, I am 120 years complete. The God completes the days of the tzaddikim to the complete month, to the complete day. God says, I will fill, I will fill the days of your life. Comes Gibran says, Lo uchal says, I cannot go out and come in. What does it mean he cannot go out and come in? If it means that he couldn't, he couldn't walk, can't be. His strength did not wither. Which means he had the same strength 120 years old. Moshe climbed the mountain. There were 12 steps connected to 12 Shabbatim up Mount Nebo. And Moshe Rabbeinu was able to climb them in one shot. So then we know at the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, he was definitely strong. He meant that I cannot go out and come in in the conversation of Torah. Why? Which means the gates of wisdom were sealed up. So some explained that uh, he started not to be able to uh, give over his learning. So therefore the gates of wisdom were closed up. So that gave Moshe Rabbeinu an incentive not to want to be in this world anymore. So it made his departure a little easier for him that he knows he can't learn anymore. So therefore go to Allah Mabah and it'll be easier for him. Others want to say that Moshe Rabbeinu reached a much higher level where he wasn't able to synthesize his Devetrat to the people. He reached a new level where his Devetrat was so deep that it wasn't okay anymore to the people. So therefore it says, Lo I cannot converse with you anymore because of the high level that he reached. So this was the last day of Moshe uh, Rabbeinu's life. So it says, Moshe and Yoshua went and they stood in front of Haita. This was the Shabbat of the two pairs. Which means Moshe Rabbeinu was the ruler of the people in the morning. When he died, Yoshua took over. This Shabbat, there were two, there were two leaders. 
um, it was taken from one and given to the other. It wasn't for the pasuk that said it, we would not be allowed to say it. Where did Moshe Rabbeinu die? He died in the section of Reuven. Right, the Pasuk says, uh, now we know that Pasuk is referring to the section of God. Let's just uh, read the full Pasuk. Who's the Mechokek? The legislator, the one that makes the Chokim. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. Safun. That was, he was hidden over there. And the Pasuk says, So it is referred to Moshe Rabbeinu that was buried in the Helek of God. How far was the distance from where Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu died to where he was buried. Four mil. So we explained four mil is about 3.84 cent, uh, kilometers. So the Gemara says, Otan Who moved Moshe Rabbeinu? Who buried him? Who walked him to his final uh, place? It was in the wings, so to speak, of the Shekhinah. And the Malachim were eulogizing Moshe Rabbeinu by saying, Sidkat Hashem, he did the tzedakot, he did the mitzvot of Hashem u'mishpatav and he taught the mishpatim to Yisrael. And God said about Moshe Rabbeinu in the eulogy, who's going to stand up against the Shaim? Who's going to fight the evil doers? And who's going to give the proper rebuke? Ushmuel Amar. That God said the following at the eulogy of Moshe Rabbeinu. Who was like Tacham Moshe? And who knows how to make the uh, compromises? Which means Moshe Rabbeinu was always the broker that brokered the peace between Bore Olam and his people. Comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Yohanan Amar, that Shekhinah eulogized the following. Where are we going to find the wisdom after Moshe Rabbeinu dies, where will the wisdom be found? But Rav Nachman Amar, the pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu died. Samalion Amar, Samalion. It's a machlok of its name of Hakam, or it might be the name of Malach. In any event, it says Vayamotcham Moshe Safra Rabadi Israel, the great scribe and scholar of Israel. That's the way they eulogize them. The Pasuk says, Moshe, and they said, Safrar Abad, he said, the great scribe of Israel. There was the camp of Israel, is 12 mil by 12 mil. There was a heavenly voice that came out that resounded in the entire camp. Moshe, Safrar Abad, Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu died, the great scholar of Israel. Some say he didn't actually die. He just went up to the heavens alive. When he went up to Arsina to get the Torah, it says, So it says, Just like when he went to get the Torah, he didn't die. He was up in the Shammai serving God. So too when it says the word Sham, when he died, when he went up to the mountain, he didn't uh, die. He went up in a miraculous way. In the valley, in the land of Moab, Moon, so the Torah really gives us the locale where he was buried, in the uh, land of Moab, facing the Abu Dazara of Bet Peor. So the Gemara says, Amar Siman Siman. The Torah gives us a double Siman, which means, Be'eris Moab, Bagai, Mul Bet Peor, gives us all the different Simanim to know exactly where he's buried. And still, the Romans, when they wanted to destroy the Bet HaMikdash, they wanted to locate the cave of Moshe Rabbeinu in order that the Jewish people will not go and pray there to stop the destruction. seems the Goyim understood the value of what does it mean to pray by the Kibnet Sadiqim. So they went, 
Shil Bet Peon. They went to one of the dukes, or the dukeses, that she says, Shilton, one of the governors that was in charge of the Abu Dazra Baal Peor, which he figured he knew maybe where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried, because it's right across from Baal Peor. So he told them, this is one roaming to another. Show us where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried. So they went up to the mountain to see where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried. So they saw the coffin below. So they went down. They saw the coffin above. So they split up into two sections. Half went up the mountain, half went down the mountain. Which is wherever they were standing, you couldn't find it. It looked like it was in the other place. Even Moshe Rabbeinu did not know exactly where he was buried. How do we know that? It says by Moshe, so you have a Gezerah Shavah, Ish, Ish. So when it says, Veloyada Ish et Kiburato, it means even himself, he did not know exactly the Makom of the Kiburah. The Bishnah Pirkei Avot says that the Kevin of Moshe Rabin was one of the ten items that create, were created on Erev Shabbat, Ben Hashem Hashot, which is actually Ma'asin Nisim. The Maral explains that the part of the Ma'asin Nisim is it did not take up any space, meaning it was not a physical entity. It was like a spiritual entity that really did not take up any uh, space as well. That's what it means. Well, even Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know where, because there really wasn't a uh, physical space.